section seventy nine of the united states this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the world's story volume twelve the united states edited by eva march tappan section seventy nine the first day of the revolution seventeen seventy five by edward everett hale on the nineteenth day of april one thousand seven hundred and seventy five a day to be remembered by all americans of the present generation and which ought and doubtless will be handed down to ages yet unborn the troops of britain unprovoked shed the blood of sundry of the loyal american subjects of the british king in the field of lexington these words are the prophetic introduction of the narrative of the excursion of the king's troops under the command of general gage which the provincial congress of massachusetts sent to england with infinite care the congress drew up depositions which were sworn to before his majesty's justices of the peace that with all legal form they might show to all the world who were the aggressors now that the crisis had come then they entrusted the precious volume of these depositions to richard darby of salem who sent john darby with them to england the vessel made a good run arriving on the twenty ninth of may with these official papers and the essex gazette which had the published accounts the suki captain brown with the government accounts forwarded by general gage did not arrive till eleven days after meanwhile arthur lee and all the friends of america in london were steadily publishing the news of the ministerial attack on their people and the people's repulse of the army the public charged the government with concealing the news thus was it that when the embattled farmers stood and fired the shot heard round the world they told their own story all parties had fair notice that the crisis was coming and they had a good chance to guess how it was coming on the thirtieth of march by way of seeing how people would bear the presence of an army and how the army would march after a winter's rest and rust earl percy with five regiments marched out over boston neck into the country boston people can trace him by walking out on washington street where the sea-water then flowed on both sides up the hill at roxbury on the right of the church and heeding governor dudley's parting stone which still stands let them take centre street to dedham and rhode island along that road to jamaica plain earl percy marched his drums and fifes playing yankee doodle the spring was very early some soldiers straggled and trampled down gardens and fields that had been planted perhaps the fall before from jamaica plain earl percy led them across to dorchester and by the dorchester road they came home very indignant was the provincial congress and the committee of safety at this first invasion of the country and all people guessed that concord would be the point 
of the next excursion because at concord was one of the largest deposits of stores which the province of massachusetts had collected in its preparation against the british empire as early as february nine the provincial congress had intimated their intention of stopping such excursions they had appointed the celebrated committee of safety with the express purpose of checking them of this committee the business and duty it shall be most carefully and diligently to inspect and observe all and every such person or persons as shall at any time attempt to carry into execution by force an act of the british parliament entitled an act for the better regulating the government of the province of massachusetts bay in new england which said committee or any five of them provided always that not more than one of the said five shall be an inhabitant of the town of boston shall have power and they are hereby empowered and directed when they shall judge that such attempt or attempts are made to alarm muster and cause to be assembled with the utmost expedition and completely armed accoutred and supplied with provisions sufficient for their support in their march to the place of rendezvous such and so many of the militia of this province as they shall judge necessary for the end and purpose of opposing such attempt or attempts and at such place or places as they shall judge proper and them to discharge as the safety of the province shall permit this it will be observed was full preparation for war only the provincial congress meant that general gage should strike the first blow meanwhile ensign bernier of the tenth royal infantry with a companion captain brown was sent to see what there was at concord they left their journal behind them when the next year the english army evacuated boston and so we are able to trace their march to-day and so it happened that late in the evening of the eighteenth of april when it was supposed most of the boston people were in bed about eight hundred soldiers grenadiers light infantry and marines were embarked in the boats of the navy very near the place where the old providence station stood where then the tide rose and fell remember that there was no bridge at that time from boston to any side the little army was ferried across to lechmere's point not far from the courthouse to-day it lost two hours in going so far and then took up its silent line of march through cambridge by what is still remembered as milk row at the tavern in monotomy now west cambridge the rebel committee of safety had been in session the day before dear old general heath till then only our colonel whose memoirs come in the most entertaining reading of the time had been there but he had gone home to roxbury here in the garrulous old eighteenth-century style is his account of what happened to those who stayed on the nineteenth at daybreak our general was awoke called from his bed and informed that a detachment of the british army were out that they had crossed from boston to phipps farm in boats and had gone towards concord as was supposed with intent to destroy the public stores they probably had noticed that the committees had met the preceding day at weatherby's tavern at monotomy for when they came opposite the house they halted several of the gentlemen slept there during the night among them were colonel orne colonel lee and mr gary 
one of them awoke and informed the others that a body of the british were before the house they immediately made their escape without time to dress themselves at the back door receiving some injury from obstacles in the way in their undressed state they made their way into the fields heath had met on his way home officers who tried to keep the news of the excursion from reaching concord but the country was alarmed and colonel smith sent back to boston for a reinforcement general gage had expected the request and had ordered the first brigade under arms at four that morning these orders were carried to the first brigade majors he was not at home and when he came home his servant forgot to tell of the letter at four o'clock no brigade appeared at five o'clock colonel smith's express came asking the reinforcement on inquiry it proved that no orders were given and it was not till six that a part of the brigade paraded they waited till seven for the marines is not all this like a village muster to-day at seven there being still no marines it proved that the order for them had been addressed to major pitcairn who was by this time far away and had indeed begun the war already without knowing it by firing his pistol on lexington common so the half of the brigade waited and waited till the marines could be got ready and when they were ready at nine o'clock started over boston neck for now they had no boats so that they must e'en go six miles round by land as every bostonian will see for there were then no bridges so they came to dudley's parting stone playing yankee doodle again but when they reached the stone this time they took the right-hand road to cambridge and watertown a roxbury boy who sat on a stone wall to see them pass prophesied thus to percy referring to the history of his noble house you go out by yankee doodle but you will come back by chevy chase while the half brigade was waiting for the marines on what is now tremont street its line crossing the head of beacon street a little boy nine years old named harrison gray otis was on his way to the old school in school street where parker's hotel stands to-day here is his account of it it is so far as i know the only glimpse we have of boston life on that memorable morning on the nineteenth of april seventeen seventy five i went to school for the last time in the morning about seven percy's brigade was drawn up extending from scolay's buildings through tremont street and nearly to the bottom of the mall preparing to take up their march for lexington a corporal came up to me as i was going to school and turned me off to pass down court street which i did and came up school street to the schoolhouse it may well be imagined that great agitation prevailed the british line being drawn up a few yards only from the schoolhouse door as i entered school i heard the announcement of deponiti libros and ran home for fear of the regulars here ended my connection with mr lovell's administration of the school soon afterwards i left town and did not return until after the evacuation by the british in march seventeen seventy six colonel smith and his eight hundred had pressed on meanwhile the alarm had been so thoroughly given in lexington that at two o'clock the militia had assembled one hundred and thirty in number and john parker their captain had ordered them to load with powder and ball this john is the grandfather of one theodore who will appear two generations afterwards 
no sign of any troops and the men were dismissed with orders to assemble again at the beat of drum most of them thought that the whole was a false alarm but gage's officers in the advance of the english column came back to it on its march and reported that five hundred men were in arms major pitcairn of the marines had command of six companies of light infantry in advance he caught all of parker's scouts except thaddeus bowman who galloped back to lexington common and gave to parker tidings of the approach of the column parker ordered the drum to beat and his men began to collect he ordered sergeant william monroe to form them in two ranks a few rods north of the beating-house the english officers hearing the drum halted their troops bade them prime and load and then marched forward at double quick sixty or seventy of the militia had assembled the tradition is that parker had bidden the men not to fire till they were fired upon but added if they mean to have a war let it begin here double quick on one side on the other sergeant monroe forming his men as well as he can major pitcairn is in the advance ye villains ye rebels disperse lay down your arms why don't ye lay down your arms he saw a gun flash in the pan the men did not disperse pitcairn declared till the day he died at bunker hill that he gave no order to fire that he commanded not to fire and it seems to be admitted that he struck his staff or sword downward as a signal to forbear firing but some men in his party fired irregularly and hurt no one then came a general discharge from the english line and many men were killed or wounded the militia returned the fire some before leaving their line some after and the war was begun here is captain john parker's account of the fight one of the papers which captain darby carried to london i john parker of lawful age and commander of the militia at lexington do testify and declare that on the nineteenth instant in the morning about one of the clock being informed that there were a number of the regular officers riding up and down the road stopping and insulting people as they passed the road and also informed that a number of the regular troops were on their march from boston in order to take the province stores at concord i ordered our militia to meet on the common in said lexington to consult what to do and concluded not to be discovered nor meddle nor make with said regular troops if they should approach unless they should insult or molest us and upon their sudden approach i immediately ordered our militia to disperse and not to fire immediately said troops made their appearance and rushing furiously on fired upon and killed eight of our party without receiving any provocation therefore from us middlesex s s april twenty five seventeen seventy five the above named john parker personally appeared and after being duly cautioned to tell the whole truth made solemn oath to the truth of the above deposition by him subscribed before us william reed joshua johnson william stickney justices of the peace that is the way those people went to war they fought one day and then they made depositions to secure the truth of history henry clay was greatly amused when dr palfrey our new england historian told him of these depositions he heard the story in some detail and then said tell me that again but they did not stop for depositions then the militia retired some here some there the english troops fired a volley on the common and gave three cheers colonel smith came up with the main party and they all pressed on to concord two of their party had been wounded major pitcairn's horse was struck by a ball 
and after the column left lexington six of the regulars were taken prisoners the musket of one of them is in the state house to-day meanwhile the concord militia had the alarm and had formed the minutemen and some of the militia from lincoln the next town had joined them some of the companies marched down the lexington road till they saw the approaching column they saw they were outnumbered and they fell back to a hill about eighty rods distance back of the town where they formed colonel barrett their commander joined them here he had been at work that day executing such commands as these given by the committee of safety the day before they are worth looking back upon as illustrations of the preparations of these days april eighteenth seventeen seventy five voted that part of the provisions be removed from concord viz fifty barrels of beef from thence to sudbury with deacon plimpton a hundred barrels of flour of which what is in the malt house in concord be part twenty casks of rice fifteen hogsheads of molasses ten hogsheads of rum five hundred candles voted that the musket balls under the care of colonel barrett be buried underground in some safe place that he be desired to do it and to let the commissary only be informed thereof still finding himself outnumbered colonel barrett then withdrew his force over the north bridge to the other side of concord river and the little english army marched into the town three of their companies were stationed at the bridge three companies were sent to colonel barrett's house two miles distant to destroy the magazine did they find the musket bullets no another party was sent to the south bridge in the centre of the town they broke off the trunnions of three new cannon destroyed what stores they could find among others some wooden spoons and trenchers which appear quite conspicuously in all the accounts but from all such work all parties were called by firing at the north bridge all this time minute-men from all parts of middlesex county had been pouring in on the high grounds where colonel barrett had formed his men they saw at last that the troops had fired the town in one place and another the courthouse was on fire captain william smith of lincoln volunteered to take his company and dislodge the guard at the bridge isaac davis of the acton company made the remark which has become a proverb there is not a man of my company that is afraid to go colonel barrett ordered the attack bade the column pass the bridge but not to fire unless they were fired upon again the passion for law appeared it is the king's highway and we have a right to march upon it if we march to boston forward march they marched to the air of the white cockade the quickest step their fifes could play glory in command of the english party crossed back on the bridge and began to take up the planks major buttrick who commanded the attacking party hurried his men when they were within a few rods the english fired in three several discharges mr emerson the minister of concord the grandfather of ralph waldo emerson watched the scene and made his record on that day three several discharges were made by the english and mr emerson was very uneasy till the fire was returned isaac davis the acton captain and abner hosmer were killed and then major buttrick gave the order to fire the english retired the provincials crossed the bridge and part of them ascended the bold hill which visitors to concord remember behind the meeting-house on the right of the town the english party under parsons returned from barrett's and crossed the bridge again but they were left to join the main body without offence one english soldier had been killed and several wounded colonel smith delayed his return till he could find carriages for his wounded and it was noon before he began his return meanwhile north southeast and west couriers had been speeding announcing that the lexington militia had been fired on the minute men 
the county through had started on their march they did not know what point to strike they did not know what they were to do when they came there but they marched they were determined to be in time and in time they were the populous country between boston and concord was in arms the men knew every inch of ground and after they had had their shot at the regulars in one place ran across country and tried them in another they are trained to protect themselves behind stone walls wrote general gage to the ministry they seemed to drop from the clouds says an english soldier poor smith and his party after thirty miles of tramping came back to lexington common in no mood for giving three huzzas there they made quick marching of it and were there by two in the afternoon they left concord at noon a number of our officers were wounded says bernier so that we began to run rather than retreat in order the whole behaved with amazing bravery but little order here percy met them with his late reinforcement here they rested and then resumed the retreat to receive just the same treatment in every defile at west cambridge the danvers company the flank company of the essex regiment had come up fifty miles they had marched in four hours across essex county it was sunset before the head of such of the column as was left crossed charlestown neck all boston was on beacon hill watching for their return through the gathering twilight men could see from the hill the flashes of the muskets on milk row and percy had to unlimber his field pieces and bring them into use again it was at west cambridge that dr warren so exposed himself that a pin was struck out of the hair of his earlock general heath was by this time exercising some sort of command late in the afternoon when the head of the english column had arrived at bunker hill an aide of pickering's rode up to heath to announce that the essex regiment was close behind him danvers had gone across country the rest of the regiment had marched direct to boston heath judged that it was too late for any further attack the english on their side planted sentries at the neck heath planted them on the other side and ordered the militia to lie on their arms at cambridge but long before this the news of the march had travelled north and west and south the memory of the rider on the white horse is still told in tradition reminding one as governor washburn has said of the white horse in the revelation the march and retreat were on wednesday on sunday morning they had a rumour of it in new york and on tuesday they had a second express from new england with quite a connected story this story was so definite that they ventured to send it south by express as they received it from new haven to elizabethtown to woodbridge to new brunswick to princeton it flew as fast as horses could carry it the endorsements by the different committees show their eager haste it was in baltimore on the twenty seventh it was in georgetown south carolina on the tenth of may it told how the king's troops were besieged on winter hill how lord percy was killed and another general officer of english on the first fire to counterbalance this good news the story is that our first man in command who he is i know not is also killed no man has since known who our first man in command was there was no commander all day long the dispatch was all untrue but it told of war and it fired the whole country on the twentieth of april an army was around boston and the siege had begun end of section seventy nine this recording is in the public domain